Welcome to this week's podcast by Celebration Church Rarotonga. We believe this message will empower and equip you to live a life of breakthrough. Thanks for joining us. Honouring your mother and your father is one of the Ten Commandments. Most of you probably know that. And I was thinking, why did God make that such an important commandment? In fact, I think it's one of the first commandments with a blessing that you have a long life if you do honour your mum and your dad. And I thought, you know, I think, this is me thinking, (laughs) I think because parents give way more than what a child will ever give back. You know, mothers give countless hours right from the very beginning, like right from conception, they give their bodies, they give their time, they give their sleep, they give their resources. Parents are continuously giving But it only takes a little recognition to um, not make it worth it, but to feel appreciated. And I see the same picture with God. God has given us so much. He's poured out his life for us. Jesus has laid his life down for us. He's given us everything. And he only, in return, we can only give a little back. But that little that we give back means everything to him. And it's the same for a mum. When your children come and say, Happy Mother's Day, I love you, or show their appreciation in some small way, it just means the world to a mum. So, Happy Mother's Day, you beautiful woman. Yes. Um, I'm just going to share from, thanks, James. I'm just going to share from my heart today um, just some things that the Lord's been speaking to me about for us as a church, and uh, I just want you to let down the walls of your heart, let God speak, because that's the one we want to hear from. When He speaks, it makes all the difference in our life, one hearing of His voice personally to us radically changes our life. And uh, yeah, I just want to honour Jesus. He is the most incredible person in the whole universe. And I was thinking about creation, like the, the Bible, the Word of God that will live forever and ever, will go on forever and ever, will remain, that heaven and earth is going to pass away, but his word will remain. His word is eternal. At the beginning of his word is the creation of man, humans. At the end of his word, in, the, in Genesis, we see the fall of man. But at the end of his word, word is the rest, full restoration of Jesus to earth and man to rule for the millennial with, with Jesus. It's, it's a beautiful picture from the beginning to the end. And, you know, we're living in days that are bringing the earth to a close. You know, it's getting closer and closer to the end. How many of you would agree with that? Just need to, if you read Matthew 24, you see what it's going to look like. If you read Revelations, you see what it's going to look like. If you read Daniel, you see what it's going to look like. And, you know, we're just living in times when you just don't know what's next, what's coming, what's around the corner. But I want to tell you as the church, we know that God is victorious. We know that Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back to reign and rule as king and lord, and we have a part to play in that. He's rising up his church to stand strong, and um, I'm just going to read a couple of short scriptures and bring out the word that I felt God has given me. I've been seeing a picture of a tree and the root system of a tree going down deep, and so I started to look into the word about um, 
that, and I'll read Jeremiah 17, 7. Blessed is the man, it means man and woman here, who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters. That means the word. The waters are symbolic of the word. Planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when he comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor cease from yielding fruit. And then it goes on and talks about how the heart is deceitful above all things, and I might bring something out of that later. Psalms 112 says, Praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who delight in obeying his commands. Their children will be mighty in the land. Another version says, successful everywhere. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Down in verse 8, Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are secure. They will have no fear. In the end, they will look in triumph on their enemies. It's a beautiful encouragement to the church to be strong in these days, to be strong in these times, to put our roots down deep into the word of God. You know, there's a lot of noise, um, or shall I say, there's a lot of um, communication. There's a lot of uh, things being said in the world today that aren't necessarily true, that aren't necessarily correct. And how do we know what is true? I want to tell you how we know what is true. Is it according to the word of God? Does it line up with the word of God? One thing I think that we need to have as a premise in our heart as believers is that knowing what the word of God says about the world, the spirit of this age is under the control of the evil one. And when the world starts speaking things, my initial response is knowing that is not necessarily good. That is not necessarily true. And I go back to the word and I seek God and through his word to find out what is right and what is true and what I to build my conviction on. What am I to build my belief on? What am I to listen to and not listen to? And I want to tell you, if your roots go deep into the water, into the word of God, you will bear fruit. You will stay strong. You will not be shaken. You will, you will walk in blessing. You will walk in the promises of God. Amen. Yeah. So, um, I've got here, you know, in Jeremiah it said, don't, um, your heart's deceitfully wicked. I've got here, don't let your heart lead you. Lead your heart into the Lord. Let it be filled with the word of God. In other words, there's things in our heart that are not always right. There's things in our heart that can be selfish or greedy or, um, you know, wrong. Like there's corruption in the heart of man. But when we lead our heart into the word of God, into the truth of God, then we, our heart is changed. The Bible talks about when we encounter Jesus, he takes our heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh. The heart of man is sinful. Right back in Genesis, it talks about the fall of man. And God created, oh, let's go there, Genesis, we'll start in chapter 1, 
verse 26, God said, this is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. When God created man and woman, he created them in the image of God. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Then he said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. When God created man, he created man to be like him and to express his glory, to shine forth his glory. I talked to the woman on uh, Wednesday night about the essence of a woman is beauty. When God created woman, he created her to shine forth the beauty of God. In the days of creation, right at the beginning of creation, it was light from darkness. It was the earth from the seas. And then he started to fill the earth and he filled the seas. And each day of creation became more and more intricate, the stars in the sky, and he named them all, more and more beautiful, more and more detailed, more and more complicated. But the very last part of creation that God made was woman. She was the, um, she was the final expression of the beauty and the expression of God. She was created beautiful. So often in our worldly mindsets, we value things because they're productive. We value things because of what they can do. But I want to tell you, when God created nature, he created it primarily for its beauty then it's function. But the essence of God is glorious. The essence of God is beautiful. The essence of God is, is incredible. It's like you can go up to the top of the mountain, up to the needle, and you might see a flower up there that nobody gets in normal life to see. You know what I mean? There's places in the earth that man have not been that express the beauty of God. Why did God bother when no one's going to enjoy that? But that's God. God is extravagant. God is glorious. Everything about God expresses beauty. If you want to be restored, if you want to be healed, if you want to be nourished in your soul, if you want tranquility, you don't go to an inner city amongst the concrete jungles. You don't go to a shopping mall, or maybe some woman might, but you, that's not where you find peace. You find peace in nature. You find peace in the tranquility and the beauty of creation. When I open up my uh, doors, when I come home from work and I look out over the ocean, it soothes my soul. It, bring, it ministers to me. That, that's the love of God. That's the beauty of God. Well, that's what God made in woman. You know, when a mother, a mother takes on a child, there's a beauty in that relationship. There's a beauty that she ministers. Um, it brings nourishment. It brings healing. It shines love. And that's, that's the essence. I'm not saying that women can't do anything. I know women can do almost everything. You know, women are pretty capable. But if we're not coming from the premise of the beauty of God that's within us, then we strive. We control we dominate, we, there's no peace in, in our, um, what we bring to the earth. There's no peace and joy and 
radiance from who we are. So when sin came into the earth, that's what happened. The beauty of woman was stripped away. She became ashamed. Same with man. Sin came in and man became ashamed. I'm just going to read that scripture out to us. Genesis 3, verse, um, well, I won't go through all of it, but Satan came, the serpent, came to Adam and Eve and tempted Eve because he misrepresented God. He said God was withholding from mankind. He doesn't want you to be like him, which was a lie. He was deceiving Eve. We still suffer that same deception. We think God's not interested in us. We think God doesn't want to bless us. We think God is withholding from us. We think God is a harsh, judgmental um, being that wants to punish us. That's often how we're um, being indoctrinated to think about God. But I want to say in Genesis chapter 11, it talks about the fall of man and the sin of man with Noah and the earth was flooded, then the Tower of Babel, and God was um, grieved in his heart about the wickedness of man. And then he, he, his heart was to continually bring man back to God, and he reaches down and speaks to Abraham. You know, when he called Abraham and said, I'll make you a blessed nation, talking about Israel, the Jewish people, the first thing he said to Abraham was, I'm going to bless you. That's the heart of the Father. He didn't say, you've been wicked, you've been in this land, you've done wrong, I'm going to bring judgment. He said, I want to bless you. And when God calls us, that's his heart. He wants to bless us. So Satan had deceived Eve, and I want to say, men, you're not off the hook, because the Word of God says that man was right there with with her, um, sorry, just finding this. So it says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, um, the lust of the eyes, that it was pleas pleasant to the eyes, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and tree desirable to make one wise, that's the pride of life, wanting to be recognized, wanting to be famous. She took its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. When you look back into the original of that, it actually means he was shoulder to shoulder with her. That was the first era where she was deceived and man abdicated. Um, I talk about the beauty of woman. The essence of man is man's strength. Is man, men are called to fight. Men are called to be warriors. Men are called to protect. Men are called to conquer. Men are called to, there's something in the heart of a man that wants to be a hero. That's, there's something in the heart of man that wants to win. There's something in the heart of man that wants to achieve. There's something in the heart of man that wants to win. That's why most aggressive sports have been created by men. Boxing, rugby, league, those things are all male originated sports because men want to conquer. Men are called to fight. And that was the heart of man. But right there in Genesis, um, Adam didn't fight. He stood there and let, he didn't protect Eve. He let Eve um, take the fruit and, gave, and took part of it himself. That was the first sin, disobedience. And um, God 
obviously there was consequences to that that we suffer today. Each one of us have been born in sin. Each one of us, I was thinking about when was the first time I remember sinning? I think I was four and a half. <laughs> I was young. I went to the shops with my mother and I saw a kiwi fruit on the green grocer's stand and I stole the kiwi fruit. My parents hadn't taught me the Ten Commandments. How did I know it was stealing? I knew it was wrong in my heart. I knew I was doing something wrong. My conscience told me that that was wrong. I went home. I felt bad. I bought the kiwi fruit out of my pocket and said to my mum, look what I've got. <laughs> she said, where did you get that? And I said, the shop. <laughs> and she knew I'd stolen it. My mum, <laughs> being the good Christian parent that she was, said, let's cut it up and share it. <laughs> I still can't believe that to this day. <laughs> it wasn't the right thing to do. <laughs> then I remember at the age of five, we lived on a hill section and we lived in our backyard. It looked up at our neighbours. My best friend was my next door neighbour. She was about the same age of me and she had an older brother. I was five, he was nine. My friend Philippa was standing beside me. Peter up there out of his bedroom window could look down and started yelling as like nine-year-old boys are mean to their younger sister, started yelling things at my friend Philippa. Something in me got so angry. This murderous thing rose up in me as a five-year-old. I picked the biggest rock I could find out of the garden. I, I don't know where I got the strength. I hurled it up into his bedroom window. I smashed his bedroom window and I got in a whole heap of trouble. Actually, it was before I was starting school. My birthday was in December. I was due to start school in January. My parents had bought me a brand new school bag that day. I wasn't allowed it until I went over to the neighbour and apologised for my actions. I remember walking up the hill, holding my father's hand in fear, having to apologise for my sin. I've got other stories of being a five-year-old that were things that I did that were wrong. Like, right back then... Sin was working inside of me. Thankfully, I got saved at the age of seven. <laughs> Who knows what I would have been like had I not. And I think God knew I needed a head start on probably the rest of everyone else. <laughs> I was a slow learner. But from that age of seven, I knew I had encountered Jesus. I knew he was real. I felt so clean when I prayed and met him. Like I was so alive with joy. I could remember skipping across the road after um, the meeting and I'd prayed this prayer and asked somebody to pray over me. And I said to my dad, I'm so happy, I'm so happy. I just felt alive on the inside. I felt clean. It was amazing, seven years of age. So right back in a very young age, we can probably all remember something that we did wrong right early and we weren't necessarily told it was wrong our conscience told us that was sin working inside of us that's sin that we're all born into 
We need Jesus to save us from our sin. We need an encounter with God, not a God out there, but a God that comes and makes his home on the inside of us, a God who changes our heart from the inside out, a God who sets us free from addictions, a God who heals our broken heart from abuse and hurt and pain, a God who helps us to forgive those that have hurt us and lifts the weights off our soul that we can smile and we can rejoice and we can shine again. God wants his people shining with joy. He wants his people walking in blessing. He wants his men fighting. And I'm not talking fighting man, I'm talking fighting the enemy. He wants his men conquering. He wants his men subduing. He wants his men rising up in the power of God to see the kingdom of God advance on the earth. But I want to tell you, unless you first encounter Jesus, you're doing everything in your own strength. In Genesis, it talks about uh, when God came to man after they had sinned, I'll find the scripture. I can't find the scripture. It's in Genesis, and it says that Adam and Eve had covered themselves. They put, uh, they made for themselves. Okay, the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked. In other words, now they felt shame. Sin brings shame. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. What does that word mean, coverings? I looked it up. It actually means armor. It means protection. When we sin, when we do things wrong, we put a cover over our heart so no one can see in. We hide ourselves, we protect ourselves, we put on layers that stop God coming in. We put up walls around our lives to stop God because there's such shame. And I've told the ch- you guys before about the um, abuse that happened to me again at age five, um, an abusive situation around my child. There was shame. It made me afraid of men. It, it locked me down on my soul. It brought me into hiding. That's that's what happens. We naturally put up these defense walls. We naturally put on the fig leaf clothing. But when we try and fix it ourselves, it doesn't work. When we try and cover up our sin and get on with life, it doesn't work. It, it actually multiplies. It actually breeds on the inside of us. And we, um, we, multiply out sin we act you know like if you've been mistreated and you've been hurt and you've been damaged in your childhood the cycle goes on we we grow up and we damage others we hurt others we say nasty things to others when the the sin multiplies from generation to generation the abuse multiplies from generation to generation the hurt and the pain multiplies from generation to generation the hate spreads the anger spreads the violence spreads the racism spreads because we're trying to deal with it in our own strength we're trying to overcome in our own strength But when God came back to Adam and Eve and saw that they'd made the fig leaves, it says down in verse 21, also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Why why did God do that? Why did God make a skin tunic and not just say, oh, you know, yeah, fig leaves are fine, you look all right. No, he made tunics of skin because he took an animal and he sacrificed it. 
He killed the animal and skinned the animal and made an offering from the animal of skin to mankind as a representation, as a symbol, as a foreshadow of the sacrifice of Jesus to come. Right back in Genesis is a picture of the blood of Jesus covering our sin. The blood of Jesus being given to us to um, heal us from sin, to lift off the guilt and the weight of sin in our life. Amen. Oh, glasses. Um, many times we're looking to the wrong source for our security, for our love. We look to people to affirm us, to recognize us. There's a hunger in our broken soul that wants man to recognize us. There's a hunger in our broken soul that wants the praises of man, that wants to feel good in the sight of man, that wants to be somebody in the sight of man, to, wants to be famous. And that desire will never be fulfilled. That desire will never be met by just humanity. Mankind, no husband can meet the full needs of a wife. No wife can meet the full needs of a husband. No profession, no job, no accolades, no accomplishment will ever truly satisfy the heart of man. As much as we pursue, as much as we strive, as much as we go after those things, um, we will not find satisfaction in, in mankind. It's only God who satisfies. It's only God who heals. It's only God who comforts. And this is what it's talking about when it's talking about the roots going down into the word of God. We've, we've got to get our roots in the right place. We've got to get our security in the right place. If we're putting our security in the things of this world, they can be shaken. We've seen that in the recent weeks in just one area, in the economy and in our health and things like that. There's, those things are being shaken but if your roots are in God, you will not be shaken. You will be comforted. You will be strengthened. You will not have fear. You will know that God will protect you. God's word is true. And I, I just want to encourage us today, make sure that our, um, our roots are in the right place. <clears throat> Men are created for war. They need a battle to fight. It's part of the masculine soul. Exodus 15.3 says, the Lord is a warrior. But when sin came in, man abdicated and went passive. I want to say, men, that one of your biggest battles is passivity. It's not, not when you don't feel like fighting the battle and you sit down and you give up. That's against your soul. That's against your manhood. That's against your who God destined you to be. You know, Jonathan and I have had some good fights in our marriage. <laughs> not physical, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking arguments, disagreements. Not yelling, not screaming, but disagreements where our wills clashed. The last thing I wanted even though it wasn't what I said, was for him for just to give up and not fight. Because that would say he doesn't care. He's not passionate. If you really care about something, you will fight. You will stand up. You will pursue. You will, you will overcome. And I want to say, men, don't be afraid to hold your ground. Don't be afraid to stand up for what is right in your home. Don't be afraid to say, no, this, this is, you know what I mean? 
don't be afraid to be the man and stand up and fight for your family and for your children. You know, sometimes um, as women, we can be emotional. We can make decisions for our children. We can want things for our children out of emotion. We don't want to see them suffer. We don't want them to face peer pressure. Oh, just give her the phone. Just get young teenager, just give her the phone. Uh, you know, she's getting bullied at school because she doesn't have a phone. And the heart of a mother doesn't want pain for our children. We don't want them to suffer. So we want to give in. But the dad might know that's not helpful. That's not going to help her. That's not going to be a good choice for her. That's going to open gateways to things that are wrong in her life. Don't just come into agreement like Adam did to Eve. Stand up and say, no, I don't believe that this is right. No, I'm going to hold my ground here. I don't think it's right. So I want to encourage you men. I, I want to honour you men because there's many men in this house that are standing up strong in God. There are men in this house that are going to war in prayer for their families. There are men in this house that are uh, walking the, the, their yard and their section or their room and they're praying for God's protection and God's blessing. I want to tell you it's not in vain, men. It's powerful. When our men stand up and pull down principalities, when our men stand up, and stand guard in our homes. It's powerful. It's mighty. When our men come into the house of prayer and pray, it's powerful. I want to tell you, I don't believe, this is my personal belief, I do not believe it's it's coincidence or it's luck that we are not facing COVID-19 here at the moment. And I want to give glory where glory is due. I believe it's to the Lord. We honour the Lord for his protection. And Jonathan brought a word last week about partnering with God. God will not because we do not. And God wants his church to be active in these days. He wants his church to be strong in these days. He wants his church fighting. Sometimes we don't see the battle. You know what I mean? We, um, we don't, it's not visible to our natural eyes. So we think, oh, it's okay. Just let it go. Just let it go. And we don't actually have discernment to know what's going on in the heavenly places. We don't actually have discernment to what's going on. So we don't do anything. But I want to encourage you, open up your eyes and see what is going on. See what is going on in your family. Ask the Lord to show you what is the attack over your marriage. What is the attack over your children? What is the attack over your your, your own life and begin to war against the enemy. Uh, the power of prayer has been given to man. It's what we do that God responds to. God puts the prayer inside our heart that we would pray because there's life and death in the power of the tongue. Our words are powerful. When we pray, God comes. When we pray, the angels come. When we pray, miracles happen. The word of God tells us to lay hands on the sick and pray and they will be healed. Who heals them? God. Who prays? Us. We always get the easy part. All we have to do is put our hand out there and pray. It's not hard. It's natural. It's, it's not supernatural. God does the supernatural part. God gave Moses a stick. He said, pick up the stick. He said, pointed at the sea, God parted the sea. But God wasn't going to do it until Moses first picked up the stick. 
We've got to make a stand. We've got to speak out in prayer. We've got to pick up our weapons. We've got to conquer the enemy. We've got to pray over our minds. We've got to pull down the darkness. We've got to uphold our government and pray that they will make wise decisions and the fear of the Lord will be upon them, that they would not be swayed by um, other forces and other uh things, agendas that are going on in the world today, but they would stand on the word of God and for righteousness. But when we pray, God comes. It says in the word of God that the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord and he directs it whichever way he pleases. God changes the hearts of kings. God shifts the hearts of kings when we pray. The church is called to govern. The church is called to rule. And I want to encourage our men especially, you are called to reign and rule. You are called to fight. You are called to be warriors. You are called to rise up and conquer the enemy. I want to honor you men that have overcome the unclean sexual area, um, Dad, Jonathan preached a word last week and gave an illustration about his own victory over sexual sin as a young man. And I want to tell you that that has put a legacy in place in our family. Our, our young men, our sons are walking in purity. They've got victory. The blessing goes down to a thousand generations. One, one changed heart one heart of repentance, one heart that's cried out to the Lord and God's delivered them from the enemies, sets in place a chain reaction for generations and blessings to come. I want to honor you men that have conquered the enemy in that area because you bring purity into your home. You bring blessing into your marriage. You bring righteousness into your home. It's worth the battle, men. It's worth the fight. It may be hard. It may be a struggle. You may fall down, but you get back up again. You may fall down, but you get back up again. But I want to tell you, don't give up till you've crushed the enemy under your feet. Don't give up until you've squashed the enemy under your feet. The victory is yours. The authority is yours. God has given you victory. God has given you authority over all the enemy's power, but we've got to implement it. We've got to pick up our weapons and do some work and let God do the supernatural. Jonathan said that, and I was with him. We were dating at the time. I was in the church when one Sunday evening service, he slumped to the floor in tears. I was shocked. I was like, oh my gosh, what's happening here? I had no idea. But God broke the man and he cried out to God for deliverance. He cried out to God to set him free. When he humbled himself, when he cried out to God, when he hated the sin that he brought it out from underneath the fig leaf, out from underneath the coverings, out into the light, out from the shame, and he exposed it and he brought it to the leaders and he said, I need deliverance, I need freedom. Then God came supernaturally came into the where he was set free from that addiction never to go back I don't know how many 30 years ago God he's been walking in freedom and victory it's powerful it's powerful but it's like turn your energy men turn your conquering spirit away from the tv away from the nrl away from the latest boxing match that's going to happen with, who is it? <laughs> Tyson and some rugby player. It doesn't matter. Those things don't count. Turn your attention to the spiritual realm where it does count, 
where it counts for eternity, where it counts for the generations to come. It's powerful. I believe God is calling in these days men and women to work together. I'm not just talking husbands and wives, but yes, husbands and wives, but in the body of Christ, men and women, the beauty of women. Um, when I talk about the beauty of women, I'm not talking about the world's beauty. I know, I know there's worldly beauty and that's beautiful, but I'm talking a greater beauty. 1 Peter talks about the inner beauty. That in, um, what does it say? It's the never-ending inner beauty of a woman's spirit. It's gentle and quiet. Now, just before you get all freaked out, say, I've got to be quiet. It's not talking that sort of quiet. It's talking peaceful. It's talking tranquil. It's talking not afraid. Uh, it goes on to say, who through woman, holy woman of old, who did have this beauty, and they did not give, you are their do Sarah's daughter, if you do not give way to fear. You can look it up, 1 Peter 3, 4. It talks about if you do not give way to fear, the beauty of the Lord will shine forth from you. Fear is our enemy. Fear wants to rob us of our peacefulness, our beauty, our tranquility, the healing that comes in our relationships because we minister in love. Fear robs us. Fear makes us anxious. Fear makes us striving. Fear brings stress in and around our relationships. Fear brings control. Whenever you see somebody who's got a controlling spirit that's always dominating and yelling at the kids and do this, I told you to do this, da-da-da-da-da, that sort of spirit, there's fear. The root is fear. It's not beautiful. It's, it's dark. Control is dark. God wants to bring the beauty out of the woman. He wants to bring the beauty into our homes where our children grow up knowing love, knowing peace, knowing the attributes of God, knowing the presence of God. He wants our woman um, to be fighters too. I'm not saying we don't fight. That's not our core essence, but we are on an adventure together and God has called women to stand with the men, and this is where I was getting to about the men and women together, we called to win a battle together. We called to bring kingdom of God to this earth together. We called to pull down principalities together. We called to push back darkness together. We called to bring righteousness together. We called to win souls out of the fire together. We called to show love together. In um, the book of Judges, chapter 4, it says, when Ehud was dead, the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of God. So the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who dwelt in Harushath Hargurim, in a big place. <laughs> and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, for Jabin had 900 chariots of iron, and for 20 years he had harshly oppressed the children of Israel. Oh my gosh, I thought 20 years of oppression before they cried out. Aren't we hard sometimes? Aren't we powerful sometimes? We might be going through hell, and we still don't cry out to God. We might be in difficult situations, and it takes us 20 years to humble ourselves and cry out to God. That's what the children of Israel like. They were hardened. But after 20 years, they humbled themselves and they cried out to God. 
And then it says, now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at the time. She was the leader. In fact, she was the first, that was the first time when a woman was ever in the highest government in the land. And she was under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the mountain of Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. Then she sent and called for Barak, the son of Abinadom from Kadesh in Nephtali, and said to him, Has not the Lord God of Israel commanded? Go and deploy troops at Mount Tabor. Take with you 10,000 men of the sons of Naphtali and of the sons of Zebulon. And against you I will deploy Sisera. Remember, he was the leader of the army of Jabin, the enemy. The commander of Jabin's army, oh, it says this. <laughs> with the chariots and his multitude at the river Kishon, and I will deliver him into your hand. In other words, God had already spoken to Barak. God had said to Barak, Go up against Sisera, the army of the enemy, and I will deliver them into your hand. But what did Barak do? Nothing. <laughs> he sat. He didn't rise. So Deborah, a prophetess, heard from God. God said to her, go call Barak. Call him and say, hasn't God given you a mandate? Hasn't God given you a battle to fight? And so she says that to him, and then he says to her, if you will go with me, then I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. I don't really think he was that willing to put his life on the line. I think that's how I read it. He didn't really want to put his life on the line, so he said to her, probably thinking she would say, oh, no, I'm not doing that. You know, if you go with me, I'll go. If you don't, I won't go. But she must have surprised him and said, yes, I'll go with you. What an awesome woman. She went to battle unafraid because God had already spoken that he would bring victory. I like that her attitude wasn't, God's told you, Barak, what the heck are you doing sitting there doing nothing? She didn't come with that tone. She didn't come with that spirit. She said, has God said to you? She asked him the question, has God said to you? I think there's a key in that for us women. Just because we've heard something from God or we know the right thing that our man should be doing, it doesn't mean we come and we tell them, hey, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. You should be at prayer on Wednesday morning. How come you're not there? We don't come with that spirit. (laughs) We encourage them. We say, you're my fighter. You're my protector. You're our defender. Will you go to battle with me? It's a different spirit. It's an encouragement of our men to rise. And I like that um, she went with him because I think it's a beautiful picture of how God wants his church, the men and the woman going to war together, the men and the woman fighting together. Now, the end of that story is that they won the battle. They conquered the enemy. God delivered them. God did the supernatural. They just went and fought. In fact, it was a woman, Jael, beautiful story of how she drove the tent peg into Sisera's head in the tent. (laughs) Awesome woman there. Fearless. But you know what? It's, It's a picture of the men and the woman standing together in the adventure of life, in the battles of life, in your homes, in the battles that you face. Jonathan and I have been married 30 years. <laughs> awesome 30 years. But I was thinking about all the 
challenges over the last 30 years. There's lots of challenges we face. We've all faced them. We've faced poverty. We've faced having no toilet paper. <laughs> we've faced having no food. We've faced being burgled. We've faced car accidents. We've faced the loss of children. We've faced the loss of job and destiny. We've faced, there's been lots of battles along the way. There's been lots of challenges where we've had to trust God when it hasn't, we haven't known the future, when we've responded to the call of God not knowing what that was going to mean for our family. Coming to Rarotonga was a challenge. We had to take our kids out of awesome schools and put them in Avarua Primary where they got <laughs> bullied <laughs> for being white. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> our kids aren't perfect. I'm sure they provoked. But... um. What I'm saying is this, life is full of challenge, but you can look at it negatively and think, how are we going to get through it? Or you can look at it, it's an adventure. It's a great adventure in God. God's going to get us through every valley. God's going to get us through every mountaintop. God's going to get us through every army. God's going to get us through every challenge, every situation that we face and go through. If we're walking with God, if we're fighting together, if we're side by side and the purposes of God, we're going to come through. Our roots are going to go down deep. We're going to flourish like big trees. We're going to, our children are going to be successful. We're going to leave a righteous inheritance upon the land. It's victory, victory, victory all the way. It doesn't matter the battle. It doesn't matter the challenge. It doesn't matter the past, what you have to let go of and what you have to forgive. It doesn't matter as long as you stay connected with him, as long as you do what he asks you to do, as long as you draw into him, as long as you love him with all of your heart, as long as you stand up and do what he's calling you to do, you are going to win. You are going to win in this life. You're going to conquer in this life. You're going to get to the end of your days and look back over your life and say, the Lord has been faithful. The Lord has been good to me. The Lord has never left me. The Lord has never forsaken me. He's been with me through every situation. We have a mighty God. We have an awesome God. We have a uh, we, words can't express how good he is to his children, how good he is to every one of us who respond to him. And he's, his call is for every man. It says God wishes that none should perish. He doesn't want to lose any of his kids. He doesn't want anyone to perish. His heart cries out for the souls of men and women. But again, he's limited. They're coming in by the invitation that we bring, the church bring to them. We open the door for them to come in. If you enjoyed this message, feel free to subscribe and leave a review. We'd also love to hear from you. You can connect with us on Instagram or Facebook at Celebration Raro or visit our website celebration.atonga.com. Until next time. <laughs>